Have you seen this book that I think was long listed for the booker? It is called Ducks Newberry Port. I brought you a visual. Because it's because it's the same cover as Family of Origin? <laughs> yes, they're very reminiscent. What? No, I have not heard about that. Okay, I want to talk to you about it. So, apparently, we're one of the only Southern... A customer contacted us and said we're one of the only Southern independent bookstores who still have copies remaining. Okay. I ordered it, Lucy or Olivia ordered it, because I saw that it was long-listed for the booker. Right. I'm pretty sure that's the prize it was long-listed for. We get it in. It's a paperback original. Mm -hmm. It is massive. I'm going to say 700-ish pages. Oh, my. We're talking like Goldfinch or uh, Hamilton-esque. Yeah. Like, it's thick. and But it's a small book. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. might be fewer pages. You know what I mean. But I it's do. a thick book. But I'm like, I'm curious about this. I open it. It is... There is no punctuation. Ah. Uh, it is like one sentence stream of consciousness. Contemporary. I nearly threw it across the room. Wow. Now look, it might be excellent. And I did start it. Like I decided, I was like, let me just read the first page and see. So apparently it's supposed to be kind of like a testament to our times. Like it's this woman who uh, I believe has kids and she, I want to say lives in Ohio and it is her thoughts. But as far as I was able to tell, it's like one sentence. Now, I could be wrong, but like I'm talking, I flipped pages and pages. Mm -hmm. And then I did um, skim the New York Times book review of it. And it's like, yeah, this is groundbreaking if you can read it. Right. Okay. And I want to say that I don't have a lot of patience for, this is just me as a reader. Yeah, totally. Not even me as a bookseller, just me as a reader. I don't have a lot of patience for um, unique frameworks for lit. So like even... Experimental I, form. Yes. Yeah. So I've had a really hard time like years ago with some of Faulkner's work, mm -hmm. like because it was a little too weird for me. Like I couldn't yeah. wrap my brain around it. And part of that's the point. Yes. Like he wants you engaged and really paying attention so that you have to work to figure it out. I wish I'd read Faulkner in school. Right. Not by myself trying Correct. to just No, I, I think that's exactly right. So anyway, but I was so frustrated because I... Do you know this about me? I'm like the queen of grammar. I freaking love grammar. I love it so much. Give me a sentence to diagram and I love it. I could do that for fun. Like people do crossword puzzles. Please let I me do, diagram yeah. sentences. Oh my goodness. The New York Times crossword app changed my life oh, in the past great. couple weeks. I just learned that it existed. It's so great. That's $7 a month that I will ever spend. We um, we do a crossword puzzle every night in bed. That's great. <laughs> I love that. It's so great. Um, but this book is one sentence and I just want to be like, I really did. Like the first, I think I read probably three pages. And I was like, okay, I can follow it. Like mm -hmm. you can follow it. Um, it is not impossible. Right. Do I want to follow it for 700 pages? Maybe not at this juncture in your life. Maybe not. <laughs> um, and also, whatever happened to the period? Like it's okay. We can still like semicolons, in dashes, in dashes. Like they're important. Punctuation is important. This is the hill I will die on. Punctuation is important, but punctuation is also a thing that was only codified in recent historical memory. I don't care. Yeah. It's important. Like, some things are codified for a reason. Well. Like, I, it makes things easier for the public to consume. Yeah. And it helps increase our understanding. Like, how often have you seen a meme that, like, doesn't have the comma in the right place? Oh, yeah, sure. And it totally changes the meaning. 
Absolutely. There's the difference whole... between let's eat grandma and let's eat yes! grandma. Yes, and there's a whole song in Hamilton dedicated to what happens when there's a missing comma and historians don't know. What did this mean? Oh, I, I studied medieval manuscripts. Yeah. I understand. Punctu- I just, but also punctuation didn't exist in the Middle Ages for I, the most part. So, And you then might be able to read this without a problem. I just Maybe. picked it up and I was like, I am not, like, I think her name is Lucy. I commend Lucy, I don't know her last name, Elman. I commend her because I couldn't do that. Like, I mm-hmm. want to be clear. Whenever I criticize lit, it's always like, but also, yeah. but also could I? And I think I was like you for a very, very long time until I spent seven years studying medieval lit yeah. and not encountering punctuation. When we read medieval lit in translation, it usually is punctuated and is given line breaks yeah. that it doesn't have in the manuscript sure. ever. To, to help your reading. To help your reading because you are used to the modern convention yeah. that didn't exist when this thing was written. But would you, as a reader now, want to read anything other than medieval lit without punctuation? It depends if it's. Seven hundred. I don't know pages? if I could get through seven hundred pages personally. I don't know, um, but like I think there are a lot of really run on things that are done for that purpose that I can see as artistic experiment and that might have merit even if I don't personally enjoy the experience. Sure, I'm not saying it doesn't have merit. Right. I'm saying not for me. Yeah. And also, I stand by that I find punctuation to be really helpful and grammar to be important. And I think I just have, maybe too complicated feelings about grammar because of my long hatred of the 18th century. Welcome to episode 242 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and honestly, I'm a little worried about this week. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. It's banned. <laughs> it's, it's banned books week. It's banned books week. We just had a moment off air. Yeah, it we was fun. We, <laughs> we're fine. We don't know what to do. No. This, um, is, this is complicated and nuanced in a way that, like, I'm not sure that podcasting is the best venue for discussion. The best medium. Right. Like, we just talked off air, and actually what we talked about off air is proof that you can have these conversations right. off air, one-on-one, with the people in your lives who you actually know and love. Right. In a way that it's hard to do... When, Knowing that people are listening right. and can't ask you to clarify right. in the moment what you're saying and understanding that like nuances and details of the conversation may be lost. And Chris and I don't always, as the intro just showed, like we don't always agree. Right. And that's okay. Because we respect each other. Right. But we respect each other. Right. I don't know. I don't know. When people listen or consume something... Mm-hmm. They don't have a relate. Like this is right. why the internet is hard, right. isn't it? Right. You don't. You don't know us. Right. Uh, um. And or anybody else. Like I think that's why it's really tricky. Right. Who do you give in your life? Who do you give the benefit of the doubt to? Right. So I give Jordan. Yeah. You, my parents, mm-hmm. uh, many of the people I went to school with. Mm-hmm. I give them the benefit of the doubt because I know them and right. we can talk about things in a complicated, sometimes fraught way. Yeah. Um. Can you do that on a podcast? 
We'll try. <laughs> We're going to try. So it's Band Books Week. Yeah. And we wanted to talk about it. I don't know. Why did we? Just because... I think because it's timely. Yeah. It's happening this week, you know, uh, at, by the time of the episode's release. And a part, probably partly in some way to educate, kind of. Like, yeah. Because we... So at the bookshelf, we honor Banned Books Week in a pretty simple way. Mm -hmm. We do a book display with some titles that have been challenged or banned. We'll talk about what that means in a second. And then throughout the week, like sometimes we'll post on social media our favorite banned books. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the extent of it because Banned Books Week is really a library thing. Yeah. It's something the American Library Association has come up with. It's uh, it, it's good marketing. It's good PR. Um, I, I don't have an issue with drawing attention to books that have been banned or challenged, especially from the library's perspective. Like, I get that. Um, as a bookseller, though, sometimes it is very difficult. Yes. And I think every year um, that I have worked during Band's bo Band book we Band Books Week, um, people have come to our display, seen a bunch of novels that everyone has read, and then they ask me, like, well, why are these banned? I've even had someone <laughs> ask me, like... So does this mean I can't buy this? Right. Because this has been banned? That's why I'm laughing, because occasionally it has resulted in these really... Right, and, and it is <laughs> very confusing. And yeah. I understand why it's confusing. I do too. Because the vocabulary is not particularly clear. So, challenged versus banned books. Right. And so, when a book has been challenged, usually what that means is that a parent or some other kind of entity um, has formally complained to a school board or to a school about the inclusion of any given book in a school's curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that is a, any person's given right to complain about something that they don't feel is healthy or appropriate for their child. Sure. Did, can I ask, did yeah. your parents ever... Uh... No, okay. is the answer. <laughs> did You and I, I think, went to similar mm -hmm. schools. Like, Do you recall books being banned at your school library? Harry Potter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be honest, I don't, that seems like that would be true of mm -hmm. my school as well, but I have no recollection of that. I remember it being pulled from the Scholastic Book Fair. Okay. The Scholastic Book Fair would come in, obviously, yeah. um, periodically to sell us books, which is everybody's favorite time of year. Yeah. Um, and the Harry Potter books were not in stock. Interesting. Um, Pokemon as a concept was banned for a while at my school, elementary school too. Magic cards were banned from ours. Magic the Gathering, absolutely. Yeah. Same deal. Um, and had it been a little late later, I'm sure Yu-Gi-Oh would have been as well. Anything with any oblique reference to the occult. Yeah. Um, in a lot of these conservative Christian schools especially. I think they just don't want to deal with it. Which... They're like, look, somebody's going to complain. Let's yeah. cut it off now. It's not a huge deal. The kids can have this at their own home. And this We're is why the conversation that. is difficult, right? right? Because to some extent, I agree with that. Like, yeah. I can I can understand that reasoning. If the reasoning is, I don't want to deal with angry parents in yes. two weeks, you, I would rather just not deal with this right now. You of all people. I, I would do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Like, yeah. have these things. Please don't bring them to school. Yeah. Yeah. I had a teacher complain about um, a lunchbox I had that was from the movie Small Soldiers. Okay, I don't remember that movie at it all. It was kind of a teen movie. I was a little young for it, if I'm being honest. Okay. But it was about these... Did you remember Indian in the Cupboard? Oh, yeah. It was the gritty version of that. Okay. Where toys came to life and, like, tried to kill each other. Indian in the... Oh, sorry. Indian in the Cupboard, I do believe, was a banned book. I just got very excited Interesting. about... Interesting. <laughs> sorry um, about that but connection. Was it for race reasons? I think so. Okay, and that... That makes more sense to me. Yes. That's sensitive. Yes. Um, but I had a teacher complain about my lunchbox because she didn't think the movie was appropriate for her children. Oh. And we were the same age. 
Oh. And so she asked me not to bring my lunchbox. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. I am trying to recall, you know, I feel like I have told some stories before, like the teacher who did not want to read Bridge to Terabithia aloud, uh-huh. and then I fixed, I took out the word hell, and then she read it aloud. Um, my parents had some rules. Interestingly, though, like Harry Potter wasn't mm-hmm. on their radar. In fact, my dad was the one who gave me my first Harry Potter book. It became like a thing he and I did together. Um... I'm wondering if I don't have a ton of recollection about this because at my particular school where I went second through 12th grade, the library was terrible. Mm. And I, and by terrible, I guess I should be careful. Probably, yes. And probably, I think the librarian at the, and look, I want to be clear, I loved the librarians, um, but it was a lot of older literature. Mm -hmm. So I think to this day, that's why I've read a lot of books that really were popular when my mom was a kid because that's what was available because yeah, yeah so like mrs piggle wiggle was very popular in my school library um little house on the prairie and and little house on the prairie is now problematic and like at the bookshelf we have like i have had to learn new things right like we stock little house on the prairie but we also stock louise erdrich's mm-hmm. books um, right. for kids so that you can undo some of the harm right. that Little House on the Prairie does while also knowing that... That there are good things in yes. Little House on the Prairie in as much as there are problematic things that we should talk about. Right. And that other writers should be able to respond to without reprisal. Yes, which, yeah, we Which, which gets about. back to really what we're defining here, like the idea of a challenge. Yeah. Obviously, everybody has the right to challenge things. Sometimes, I believe, the things that get challenged are, are things that need to be talked and taught and talked about yes and that individual parents are not comfortable with yes but in a way that i don't understand because a classroom setting is perhaps the most safe place (laughs) to talk about hard and complicated things yes you would think i mean you that's what you want right that's your hope well and here's the thing as an educator this is what i do right that's what you there is this bizarre idea that like teachers and educators and professors stand in front of a classroom and indoctrinate their students Mm -hmm. and they're like this is what is true you have to believe this to get a grade and like I have never encountered that in my life I have never practiced that in my pedagogy right like I I would like for my students to be able to critically disagree with me yeah that's my proudest moment as a teacher yeah when a student says I'm not sure I agree and here's why I think that right and giving them a reason and then we can have a conversation and I have been in class where I have changed my opinion on something because of what a student has brought to me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's beautiful and I think that's good and I think that's the point of education and I think there's a really weird... There's a possessiveness on the part of parents where they want their students... And I'm not a parent and so right. this is maybe crossing into dangerous territory. Possessiveness on the part of parents who only want their children to experience the world as it has been curated for them by their parents. By their worldview. Right. And I... And I don't think that's always fair to children. No, at least not in my personal experience. So... And this wasn't my experience, to right. be fair. So how I grew up, I do maybe recall a couple of instances. And again, I went to a conservative Christian school, second right. through 12th grade. Me too. And I do recall having a couple of classes that resulted in me going home to my parents and having questions Mm -hmm. and my parents telling me well here's what we think about that and that's what your teacher thinks about that you kind of have to decide what you think about that and I think that's so healthy and that yes do I face the repercussions of that every day like meaning 
am I a person who naturally has a lot of questions and for whom sometimes things are frustrating because I have a lot of questions? Yes. Same. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of that, um, that ideology stems from fear. Yeah. Right? It absolutely does. Like not um, being able to explain something or, yeah. or your child having a belief that's different from yours. Right. That's scary. And I get that. Yeah. You know, I, I see that in, uh, in adult lives yes. that it, I am, yes. that I am adjacent to. Um, and, and maybe that is coloring a lot of my feelings here. Yeah. And I think I'm coming from thing like part of the reason this conversation I thought was going to be difficult for me is because I'm a bookseller, I'm a bookstore owner, I'm also a reader and a consumer mm-hmm. and a person. Yeah. And I often fall into the category of I want there to be a lot of books and a lot of ideas that then people can read and figure out what they think because I just said that's how I was raised. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just said that's how my worldview was cultivated, uh-huh. um, how my belief system was cultivated. And so when I see books being taken off shelves or withdrawn from publication mm-hmm. or removed from libraries, my um, my antennas go up. Yeah. It doesn't mean I wind up disagreeing or agreeing with that. It just means I immediately like, it's like I'm on high alert. Yeah. Um, and so when we looked at you can go to the Band Books website. You can link yep. to it in the yeah, show notes. Um, it you gives can you the see, top 11 from last year. Yeah, which was a really interesting list, partly because they some of those YA. titles... Yeah, it's a Every lot of, of YA, which I think is because that's what's in libraries uh-huh. and schools. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's what gets challenged. Right. You're not... Well, you and I can talk... I think Hunter and I actually are going to go see the movie and then we will do a bonus episode, but there's some issues with Goldfinch that I yeah. honestly missed the first time mm. I read it. I did not catch them. Um, I'm mad at myself for not catching them. I also still love the book. Sure. And I think it's possible to have both. It's, it is. To do both. And I think we live in a world that would prefer that not to be the case. There is absolutely a way in which you can separate aesthetic judgment from ethical judgment. Yeah. You can do that to a fault. Sure. To be totally fair. Sure. Um, there are bad things that don't deserve to be read that's that right. are beautifully written. Yeah. But maybe that's dangerous. Right. Um, and that's tricky, right? It's a fine it is line. Tricky. And I think that's where you and I are like, Ugh. And it's also where people like you and I matter. Yeah. As a bookseller, you have that conversation with your customer. As an educator, I yes. have that conversation with my students. Yes. That's it's right. about having that conversation. That's true. When you read in a vacuum, that's when things get dangerous. Yes. So we looked at this list and they're all YA or children's lit. The mm-hmm. other thing that struck me is in 2018, some of these books feel old. Like, yeah. I, like, and I'm not talking classics old. No, I just like mean 20 like years ago. Old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like why is this even still in a school library? Right. <laughs> like I just had some questions about like, wait, people the Sherman kids Alexi are still book this? has been challenged every year yeah. for the past 20 years. What is that? Um, Absolutely true. Diary of a part-time Indian. That's right. And look, I'm going to be honest as a bookseller, and this has been a struggle as you well know, the year we cut off Garrison Keillor's uh-huh. names off all of our Christmas tags. <laughs> like a struggle for us is what happens when the author's a schmuck? Sure. What happens when he turns out yeah. to be a not great person, right. which we're seeing happen all the time. No. And that's the issue with Sherman Alexi right, right now. Is their literature um, still valuable? Yes. I think he's, a brilliant writer yeah he's also a not very great human being and his memoir came out Mm -hmm. a couple years ago and was excellent and really popular um part-time indian has not been um banned to my knowledge because of sherman alexie no yeah it's banned for other reasons Um, because of because of sexual references and because of 
I think the Banned Books website cites um, its viewpoint on religion. Oh, interesting. Have you ever read it? I have not read the whole thing. Okay. I taught a selection of it, but I've never actually read the whole thing. I've never read the whole thing either, but it the, what it, the reasons it was challenged reminded me of the reasons Looking for Alaska was yeah. challenged. And like, okay, I'll be honest, if Looking for Alaska, if my high schooler read that, I do think I would have to have some conversations with my high sure. schooler. I read that book as an adult. If I had read that book as a high schooler, I wouldn't have known some of what was going oh, on. Yeah. If you catch what you yeah. I was a pretty naive person. Sure. I think that's actually how a lot of things still skip me to this day. Yeah. I'm like, what? That's offensive. I I, I don't even know. What didn't that means. even know what that word meant. Um, so there are some things in Looking for Alaska. I read it as an adult, and a girlfriend and I read it together, and we finished. And she called me, and she was like, um, "Was what I just read what I thought I just read? Like it was some sexual stuff that we were both like, I I, I think, think so." so. So I can understand yeah. a parent. Now I don't know. I didn't have parents like this, right? That would no, contact the I. school. I think I would have. I would have parents who came to me about it or who talked to me. And about it just it. makes me think of like, oh, what's the Robin Williams movie? Yeah. Dead Poet Goodwill. Society. Oh yeah, Good Dead Poet. Yeah. <laughs> also good, but Dead Poet oh, Society. Dead Poet Society. And the and the father in that yes. movie, who's not necessarily challenging. The books, but is so intolerant yes. of his child. Yes, and of how the methodology with which things are being taught. Exactly. Oh yeah. And like obviously that's that's a hyper romantic understanding yes. of what happens in a classroom. Like that's not what real <laughs> teachers do. Right. Um, great movie. Yes. Um, great story. So not good. not trying to be realistic. Yes. Um, it, it it just makes me think of of things like that where there are so there is so much media. Where parents like that are the bad guys. Yeah. That I don't understand how this still happens. Yeah. So we... <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from. I also looked at the list. And so you have those things that are banned for um, LGBTQ characters. Yep. You have things that are banned for sexual content. One that... I mean, I feel like there is a book like this that is banned year after year. And it does kind of make me laugh. But I've heard people talk about it in the store. So Captain Underpants yep. was on the list. Every time. Every time that or like Fly Guy or right. something like that. And that it's it's promoting, um, what was it? Disruption. Yes. Promoting and, disruption. And look, I so I have a couple of funny stories. So first of all, I do understand that. So growing up, my parents, I did not see the movie like Home Alone right. until I was like in high school. I didn't. I was not allowed to watch Rugrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not allowed. My dad notorious. It's a like family lore now. He notoriously took. <laughs> took a copy of the Goofy movie out of the VCR and returned it to Blockbuster. Like, we had only made it five minutes, I think, maybe. And it's because <laughs> it's a teen movie. those children were brats. Right. And my parents didn't like that. They right. didn't like us seeing. And look, right. as an adult, Jordan and I watch Home Alone every year. I watch it with my family. Like, my parents watch it every year. Those children are horrible to one another. Right. And the parents are horrible to them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a horrible family. Um, that, of course, as an adult, I now understand that it's horrible. I'm kind of glad I didn't see it as a kid because, like, that's not how you talk to people. Sure. Like, you don't... I don't know. As a kid, I liked the fact that I didn't tell my parents I hated them. Right. Like, whatever. And with Rugrats, like, Angelica absolutely yes, is that character. Yes, she's a brat. But she's the villain. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, we're not supposed to sympathize. That's right. We're not supposed to like her. But whatever. Like, yeah. Chris and Susie had their reasons. Sure. I am fine with it. Absolutely. Now that I'm a bookseller, you get a lot of these kids who... Professionals, right, term reluctant readers. Uh-huh. And... Books like Fly Guy or Captain Underpants are what appeal to them because right. they're goofy and silly and funny and, um, you know, talk about poop and diapers. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's funny to kids. Um, and 
I have often told like a grandmother who's hesitant to buy Captain Underpants, I've explained, but if you buy them this now, or if they read this now and they think it's funny, they'll know that reading books can be fun. Right. And reading books can be funny and right. it doesn't have to be a chore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those are important conversations to have. On the flip side, I just want to put it, and one of my cousins has a little girl who's probably, I'm going to say five or six, I think she's in kindergarten, and they were reading Junie B. Jones aloud. And Junie B. Jones is a book, I do believe, that has been banned before because of, Mm -hmm. interestingly, grammar, which got us started at the beginning of this episode. But anyway, um, she stopped kind of reading them to her kid because she realized she was exhibiting kind of sassy Um. Junie B. Jones traits. That's the power of a parent. Right. You as a parent get to decide. Right. You know what? Not for my kid. Because you know your kid the best. Right. Like, hopefully. <laughs> let, let me really clarify. <laughs> hopefully. Right. You know your kid best. I, that is my wish for parents everywhere. Yes. Um, is that you know your kids well enough to know, you know what? Junie B. Jones, maybe in a couple years. But right now, <laughs> it's, it's not great. Um, you get to decide. Right. Does that mean Junie B. Jones should be removed from school libraries? Right. There you because go. can't you just say, please don't bring this home? Right. Or, you know what, mommy and daddy don't want you to read this anymore. Can we read it later? Or, you know, something like that. Can like, we read something else yes, right now? Yes, can we read something else right now? Um, and, you know, and you and I, I know, we like, we don't have kids, but no. we do observe a lot of no, parents, and, I, and, like, I have a lot of friends who are parents. Yeah. Um, but that would be my hope. Mine too. I, d- I don't know how realistic that is, but that would be my hope. And so the difference between a challenge and yes. a ban yes. is then that a ban is something that has been pulled from libraries. Right, because the challenge basically got heard. And, right. and, and the action that the school of the library decided to take was to remove it from shelves. Right. Um, I A book that Olivia and I both read and really liked, and it just came out in paperback, is Rebel Librarian. Yeah. And it's a children's chapter book that addresses this exact thing. Right. So it's a great book to read um, in your schools or with your kids during Band Books Week mm-hmm. because it kind of explains all of this. Um, so in the book, the child's parents, I don't think, really liked what she was reading, if I recall. And so when they found out what she was reading, they contacted the school, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, the school, school board had removed it from the school library. And so this kind of this English teacher or librarian got in trouble. And the result was that this little girl decided, or this middle school age girl decided to like start a little free library um, Mm -hmm. out of her locker kind of thing. Cool. And it's a really cool book that I think addresses really well these topics. And the parents do come across as like the villain kind of in, um, in whatever movie, Dead Poet Society. But they also were slightly more nuanced where you at least kind of, they were a little villainy, but yeah. you could kind of understand right. the questions that they had. And so I think that's a good book, um, a good book to read if you've got questions about this kind of thing. Right. Or if your kids have questions. There's also a documented phenomenon called the Streisand effect, which is by attempting to hide or censor some information, you are just making it more popular and appealing. Yes. What is this called? Because this the is... The Streisand effect. This affects me for sure. It's from... <laughs> It's from 2003 when Barbara Streisand tried to prevent pictures of her Malibu home from being published on the internet. Okay. And that just made everybody, everybody want, pictures want pictures of her house. Okay, this is me. I'm yeah. very affected by the Streisand. Me too. You're like, don't do this. I'm like, well, as soon as you are not looking, that is the first thing I'm going to yes. do. Yes. Um, absolutely. That is my personality. <laughs> I, like, I just want to know. Yes. Like, what is it that you're hiding from me? Yes, exactly um, right. Because I need to know everything. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. And so do you really want... 
books in your children's hand, okay, the first thing you should do to get them to read it is tell them they can't. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's a real thing. It. Yeah. I, I also... I don't know. I, I looked back at some books, you know, when we get like this list every year of yeah. books that have been banned or challenged in the past and several of them have, you know, maybe they don't make the list anymore, but they did. And I think about like Diary of Anne Frank uh-huh. is one that I think most people would kind of be appalled by. Right. Like one of those customers that's like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember being probably 12 or 13 and reading that book. I think it was required reading. Um, probably, yeah. And I was 12 or 13 and there are some things in that book She's a 13-year-old girl, yep. so she's got questions about her body. She's got questions about... Other people's bodies. Yes. And I remember, again, I was a naive reader, but I remember reading it and thinking, this is a little weird, but as a person, mm-hmm. I just moved on from it. Yeah. And I really didn't even ask my parents. I was also the kind of kid who, if I had questions about things that I read, I just pulled out my Webster Dictionary, yep. like the literal dictionary. I learned a lot of words that way. Um, so anyway, so I did not even approach my parents with those questions because that wasn't the point of the book. Yeah. So that's the other thing that I have noticed, at least as a bookseller, um, even when I maybe recommend a book, um, that has content that an adult wouldn't like, I'm always pretty quick to say, oh, but it just doesn't take up a huge chunk of that book. I think for a lot of these challenged books what is challenged is something that is very incidental Mm -hmm. to the book itself. Yeah. That is set dressing or it is a a character, a side character. And it might not even be something that is really central to the book itself. And some of them it is. Yeah. The hate you give is absolutely about the black experience in relation to white police. And it bought that one especially bothered me because the reason given for it being challenged or banned is that it is anti-cop. And I wanted to be like, it's anti-corrupt we, right, right. police corrupt officer. Police. Right, police. also... Which we should all be anti. Also, I am always for, and maybe this is what you and I are really boiling it down to, I am always for conversation. Mm-hmm. So the moment you take that book out of a classroom, out of a library, you... That you eliminates... You that it doesn't deserve to be read. That's right. And that it, and that you can't have... Com- you've, right. you've prevented your students from having thoughtful conversations about it. You might be able to have a really meaningful conversation in your classroom about this book, but now that it's been removed, um, either people have just had their worldviews cemented, Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, this must be really anti-cop, so I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. Right. Or... How many people didn't read The Shack when it came out because it didn't fit the evangelical model of God? Right. That's its own conversation. I remember reading that. I was an adult. I Mm -hmm. forget how long ago this was, but I read that as an adult, and I remember thinking... This this was controversial? (laughs) I remember thinking, this is controversial. Also, not good. Yeah. Also, not not very good. (laughs) I, I had never read it, and I was so anti because I'd been indoctrinated yes. into thinking it was bad because it said that, like, well, God appeared to this person as a woman. Yeah. And I was like, as an adult, I'm like, oof. Right. That's what was wrong with this? Right. The Showing us the mother, uh-huh. mothering aspects of God. Whatever. Anyway. Anyway. But I think by taking a... This is my whole... I think this, for me, is yeah. what it boils down to. I want books to exist so that we can talk. Right. So that we can have conversations. And in my personal experience, books have made tough conversations easier to have. Yes. Um, I know that's not always true. No. But often for me, at least in some book clubs I have led and been a part of, and conversations around my own family dinner table, that is true. Um, And so when you... When they're challenged, for me, really, the case is more for when they have been banned. Yeah. What that means is you're removing 
a conversation starter. Right. And I think, I think I agree. And the idea is that there are books that are difficult Mm -hmm. and they get challenged because they provoke a difficult conversation that parents don't necessarily have all the answers to. Right. There are also books that are challenged because it's clear that a publisher wanted to make money off of something provocative. Yes. And so if you remember, I don't even want to go into examples, but there are, there are politically provocative things that are published clearly just to like make, make press. Yes. Um, And to make money. And to make money. Yeah. Um, those things don't necessarily deserve a platform. Right. Those things don't necessarily deserve a publishing deal. Right. That's very different to right. me. It is. Than a story. Yeah. Um, I think that involves is. something difficult. Yeah, I think it is different. And I think, I think sometimes, you and I talked off air, so I know yeah. which books you're talking about. I think sometimes that line gets blurry. It does. And I think it that's, absolutely does. And I think that's where we as a culture have some things to grapple with. We have to figure out what gets pulled versus what gets published and Hunter and I have talked about this some too, like in dinner table conversation, like what gets published and talked about, um, meaning what enables us to have difficult conversations or what never gets published and rightfully so. Like I think, and I think this is something publishing is grappling with. It is. Um, It absolutely is. As a bookseller. And it's not because of a Twitter mob or cancel culture or anything like that. Yeah. And well, and sometimes it is. Yeah. But. But in a way that, that is different from the talking points around this. Yes. And we have to, I don't know. I think it's really interesting and it's tricky. Um, There's no denying it, but like. It is. uh, In the past, probably, I don't know six months or a year, sometimes I'll get an email from a publisher like, this book has been pulled from publication. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think, okay, sure, that makes sense. And then sometimes I'm like, huh, what's going to happen when the line moves further one way or the other? Right. Like, what? And so I think this is just, I think that's why conversations are important. I agree. I absolutely agree. Am I interested in the series of Netflix comedy specials that are com- going to come out in the next couple of years called Cancelled, <laughs> where a white man is angry about not having a platform? No. That he talks about on his Netflix special. <laughs> no, I'm not interested in those things. No. But here we are. Here we are. And I would say it's an interesting time, but I actually think to make myself feel better, uh, and we talked about this maybe on the last episode, mm-hmm. nothing new under the sun. No. Nope. Like I just keep telling myself, like, this is not new information. It's not. Like this is not a new struggle. Mm-hmm. The platform is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the maybe constancy of it is right. different. Um, oh, this. All critical discourse around media in general, like, oh, this is this is bad. We shouldn't have this. Yeah. I can name an instance in 1403 where Christine de Pizan and Jean Gerson and Gontier Cole had a big fight about the Romance of the Rose, a 12th century text where everybody decided that it was too racy. <laughs> um, Christine de Pizan said... Anyway, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to get into it. But the idea is that this is a very racy poem. Yes. Christina Pizan said, most people who are encountering this poem are not literate enough to understand that it's an allegory, that it's a metaphor. Okay. We really need to be better about how we're talking about this. Mm. And people were like, no, you can't censor this thing that I love. And she was like, not saying we're censoring it, saying we need to have much better conversations about it. It's just so familiar. Yeah, all of it's that is so familiar. familiar. And I can under, and look, this is my curse, right? I can see. Yeah. I can understand a lot of that reasoning. Yeah, absolutely. I can. I get all of it. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Always. So constantly. Happy Band Books Week. Happy everybody. Band Books Week. <laughs> read something that's been challenged. Challenge yourself. And read about the history of Band Books Week. Like and, I, I think that's right. interesting because there are 
Honestly, if I'm being completely sincere about it, I think there are books that have been rightly challenged. Yeah. I think there have been books that have that, that have no business being challenged. Yeah. Um, it happens, it happens, it happens. Yeah. There and are different reasons these things happen. And when we make a blanket statement about like, we should never ban or challenge books ever. Right. I, uh, right. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable about that. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation. I it is. It absolutely is. is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. You can learn more at forlornstrangers.com or find them under their current moniker, The Rally Club. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, you can find us at patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. It's one book. This week, by the time you listen to this, it's going to be over and... Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work behind the counter this week. Can't wait. Um, but in the meantime, I just think it's funny. So the one book selection this year is Where the Crawdads Sing by uh-huh. Delia Owens. Um, if we never have to hear someone refer to it as the Crawdaddy's book ever again, oh, I'll be so happy. <laughs> so many phone calls about the Crawdaddy's book. Can I get book. that Crawdaddy's book? <laughs> it's so funny. And it's kind of endearing. Yeah. Um, you know, because hashtag, I was about to say hashtag South Georgia. Yeah. Um, but, but also, I'm just ready. I, and I think many booksellers would agree we're ready for a new book to be hyped. Is yeah. that okay to say? Like, we're just ready. We're ready for it. Yeah. We're all ready for Are it. Are you ready for it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>